Iowa everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brent talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome into the Channel Seed Studios. It is Wednesday. We're live. First time we've been live live in a while. Feel free to leave your comments on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. This is firmly entrenched in the Channel Seed Studios. I'm Jake Brend, Local 5 Sports. Big week on the show. Joined, as always, by Nick Oson up in Madison. Nick, how are we doing, my friend? Jake, I'm doing great. You know, really, anytime I get to do this show with you, man, I've been looking forward to it. Cyclone hoops to catch up on. A little bit of football at the pros. Just good to be back with you. When's the next time you got to travel with the with the Badgers? Yeah, not too far away. Actually, just two days, and I will be not super far from you. Oh, uh, they Badgers played play Iowa this week. That's at right, Iowa. Yep, it would have been cool. You know, if there was a little different timing. I maybe could have made an appearance at Hilton, and then obviously covered the game. The games are super close to each other uh, time wise, but no, I'm really looking forward to it. And obviously, I've been to to Carver, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, Wisconsin's still fighting for a top four seed. I guess Iowa is too, but in the uh, NIT. We'll move on to the <laughs> Iowa State men. Actually, let's talk a little bit. <laughs> Iowa State women, big game tonight. I, we're, we won't date it too much. Game tips off in four hours. But they play K-State, and they need a win badly. badly. It, it's been a rough stretch. They're hitting that freshman wall. We all knew it would come at some point. Yep. Didn't know how extreme it would be and how long it would last. I think it's been a little more extreme than we thought, but that's a, that's a big game tonight. Hilton Coliseum at six 30. I'm sure uh, two guys named Chris will have a, a pretty good reaction to that one tomorrow. We're going to, is, is, is Lee expected back for that game? Bill Fenley said he expects her to play. Okay. And she uh, participated in a shoot around last night. So she, okay, and then uh, for what it's worth, is Larry's girlfriend playing? Did you see them? I did see that. Yeah, that's I did funny. see that. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day to everyone listening, especially Cyclone Larry. Anytime a college basketball player shouts you out, that that's got to be a good day. But yeah, that will obviously, if she plays, that's a premier matchup down low between her and Audie Crooks. So yeah, one of the I'm best excited. players in the game. I'm excited to watch that. As far as the rest of the show, we're going to react to another Iowa State road win and talk just general points around the Big 12. We're going to reflect on Brock Purdy's first full season as NFL quarterback, obviously as a starting NFL quarterback, I should say, obviously coming up short in the Super Bowl. Then we'll preview a little bit of the Red Raiders coming to town on Saturday in Ames, Iowa State wins 68 59, moving to eight and three in the Big 12 for the first time since 2001. So, the first time since he lost in Big 12 play by five or more points. The Cyclones again tied for first in the Big 12. What an impressive, impressive win! 
Yeah, again, you know, I feel like every week just about we're just adding to kind of what has impressed us about this Iowa State team. That was a game. I mean, I'll I'll say on this show, I saw that Iowa State, uh, you know, was the underdog by a little bit. One, one and a half, two. I was very surprised by that. Not because since he's a bad team or I mean, they've been pretty successful at home, but I liked the matchup for Iowa State. Quite honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, you'll hear about Lamont Paris at South Carolina and a couple other great coaches, but I'm not sure that there's a coach out there right now that is just finding as much kind of continued sustainable success with this year's team than Coach T.J. Otzelberger is with Iowa State. It feels like, I mean, I you know, I can't be as plugged in, of course, as I was and, and as you guys are, but it feels like he is pressing just about all the right buttons, yep. whatever game. Pulling the right strings. In. And we knew this team had talent, but you're right. As we get a little bit deeper into that breakdown and, and kind of the Big 12, really important win. And now you've got arguably the toughest back-to-back stretch the rest of the way. That uh, The last two games, so TCU at home on Saturday and then at Cincinnati, Both of those games, I thought going into them were really tough spots. TCU, they had a week off. They were coming off of a home loss, had a week to prepare. Iowa State, returning home, just picked up a massive road win at Texas. Could have been such an easy letdown spot. We even talked about that on the show. Last night, Cincinnati coming off of a loss. They played Houston really tough at home. Ended up losing that one by five. They needed a win. They're on the first four out right now on ESPN's Bracketology. Iowa State, kind of a house money type game. One you were probably expected to win, but not the end-all be-all if you lost. So right. come out 2-0 and in that stretch is really, really impressive. And, and you talked about it. It's been... All year, a really good coaching job by TJ Otzelberger, but this specific stretch, these last seven games, dating back to when Taman Lipsy didn't play in Fort Worth, uh, it, th- there hasn't really been a lot of moments where he pushed the wrong button. It's been, it's been really, really good coaching out of Ames. I mean, when was the last loss? It was, it was the close one at Baylor. At Baylor, and then before yeah. that, it was the BYU loss out in Provo on the road. Yeah. So, I mean, they have been, that was about a month, month ago, I think it, well, I can tell you, yeah, exactly when it was, it was the night before my birthday. I remember watching some of that game in the Badgers. So yeah, about a month ago. So basically two losses, you know, in a full month in that conference, that's, that's really impressive. Obviously the entire staff, you know, gets credit. And I know there's a specific kind of group of, of guys position wise. that's really been sticking out to you recently. Yeah. I want to talk about the guards. Another fantastic game out of the, the Lipsy Gilbert Jones trio. Trust me. I'll, I'll give Pavletsky his love in a minute, but 42 points between that trio on 16 of 34 shooting, not the gaudiest of numbers, but in a game like that, that was just a brawl against a Cincinnati team that is really similar to the Iowa State teams of the TJ Altsberger era, makes it ugly for everyone. That's a really, really solid performance. A lot of timely buckets. Jones had the three at the end of the first half. Gilbert, I believe, his three at the start of the second half made it a 12-0 run. 
Yep. So just time and time again, Lipsy had the the play of the night, I thought, which was driving baseline, leaving his feet, probably shouldn't have left his feet, but still somehow found Jones for a three. The guard play right now is just, it's tremendous. And I, I want to focus in on Kurt Jones because Lipsy is Lip, Lipsy's who he is. He it, pretty consensus all year long. Most think he's Iowa state's best, most important player. Gilbert. I thought on just eye test always looked like he was Iowa state's best guard looked like he had the potential to do that. He didn't do that really in Orlando or maybe to start the big 12 season. But Kurt Jones is a guy that didn't see a lot of fruit for his production or for his work early on. And now I think I could make the case that he's a legit big 12 sixth man of the year candidate. I'd make the argument right now that he's Iowa state's second most important player just because of the steadiness he brings in off the bench. Oh, wow. These, I mean, so his first four big 12 games, he was five of 19 from the floor. Since then, the previous seven, double figures in all of them, he's averaging close to 15 points a game. We already knew what he could do on, on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I actually did a story on him at, at Local 5 on Monday based off of his press conference on Saturday where he said that when I was at Buffalo, I didn't really need to worry about doing the other things because his offense was so valuable. So even if his shots weren't falling, he wasn't really going to get benched. And that's changed Iowa State. And early on when shots weren't falling, when he couldn't buy a three, I think he had a, a back-to-back stretch in Orlando of one and nine and then one for 10. Mm-hmm. He stayed on the floor because his defense was invaluable. And now he's got the defense and the offense is joining him. It's just been, it's been an, a really important stretch for Kurt Jones. Yeah, Jake, you know, to kind of echo that with him, I, I had thought similarly. I remember, you know, back when I was still there, there were the, I think there was one game, obviously, on the overseas trip. He just took off. Yep. And people were getting incredibly excited. And then, like you mentioned, whether it was the Florida trip or even, you know, a non-con game here or there, the shooting numbers weren't necessarily translating like that, but he was still on the floor. He was still what, playing like 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Even yeah. though the stats didn't reflect a guy that should be. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I'm totally with you. And I think it's just all come together for him. I think that, and this is going to be a common theme. I know really throughout this show, everybody is seemingly so perfect in their role. If they need to, increase it at times if they need to take a step back but when they're kind of set out like that I think Jones is a perfect example and as we are talking about the guards as a whole I do want to just mention you know for a lot of people that probably don't read this stuff I I don't see you know Taman Lipsy as like a a first round guy or leaving this year or anything but according to some of our you know writers and the draftable stories his name is starting to pop up out there uh, with some scouts because obviously he plays the game the right way. Even though he's a little bit shorter, he's athletic, he can defend, and he's a winner. 
And that's something that NBA scouts love. So I just thought that was really interesting. And it shows, I mean, I, I heard many stories about just how much time he spent in the gym this offseason. That is translating right now and potentially to his future as well. Yeah, Lipsy, if he wants to go pro, he's he's going to have the opportunity to grind out a spot. He He'd probably have to go the route that most Cyclone pros have had to go the last decade, count out Tyrese Halliburton, but probably spend a couple of years in the G League, grind up, two-way ro- two deal on the roster, then carve out a bench role. So I think with that path ahead of him, he will stay at Iowa State. Yep. He'll develop here where maybe you, you grind out one more year, two more years at Iowa State, one, two years in the G League, and you're hopefully competing for a roster spot when you're 25, 26. That's been kind of, that's what, that's what route Monte Morris went on. So that's what I I would expect for him. One guy I want to, it's time to give Pav some love. He, he's not going to be a guy that's mentioned on sports center almost ever. He, he's playing the, the eighth, ninth man role on this team, but last night he completely swung the game. So Iowa State up two. This was under about three to go. I sorry, up three with under two to go. He hit that long two as the shot clock expired. A minute later, he has the extra pass assist to Kurt Jones in the corner for a three. And then following that, he had a steal that led to a Hassan Ward layup. Lead grew from three to 10 in that two minute stretch. He's a guy that knows exactly what his role is. And I mean, that's three games in a row now Texas, TCU, Cincinnati, where every single time his number's been called, whether it's for four minutes, for eight minutes, for 12 minutes, he has played his role to the fullest. And that's why my perception of this team has changed. At the start of the year, I thought the strength of the team was the big men. And for most of the first part of the year, they were. Now, the big men certainly have not become a weakness by any stretch of the means, but the guard play has emerged as the strength for the team, and that is what you want going into March. Yeah, and that was a spot where... We didn't disagree, but, you know, I was a little more confident in the guards. You knew what you had in Lipsy. I mean, obviously, going back even several months, I was super high on the fit for Gilbert. I actually thought that Pav would be a little bit more in kind of the Curtis Jones role that you're seeing now. But either way, like you mentioned his role, Curtis Jones has really impressed with kind of his growth. And then, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Milan obviously is a forward but has some of those great yep. skills. He's a hybrid. Ability. Yeah, that, that guards can kind of show. So I'm not surprised by it, but I totally hear you. I think that kind of the the post the post guys and, you know, the forwards and centers, they're showing not only some of the, the points when you need them, like a Trey King. I know we'll touch on Robert Jones, but also the defense I've loved from those guys. Hassan Ward, I've said several times, but I think the guards, what you're seeing, I think it was a little bit expected for me. And while I think there may be a bump or two, you're going to see that for the top 20 or 25 teams. 
still the rest of the way as we inch closer to Selection Sunday. I trust these guards. I think they are the backbone, and I think they fit really well with Otzelberger, Blount, Green, Schmidt, the entire staff. Trust is a good word because there was a lot of time where probably didn't trust them that much, maybe the last five minutes of the game. I think that's flipped. Gilbert seems more under control. Lipsy obviously has, this is his second full year of having the car keys. So mm-hmm. he got through the majority of his bumps, his, his underclassman mistakes last year. And then Jones, he's the guy you want at the free throw line. That That's a pretty good tandem right there to have in crunch time between your guards. And I want to go, I want to go back to Taman just for a second. Got a proposition, an idea. I know nobody in the program listens. No, nobody even probably knows I'm talking right now, but I've got an idea because the time has passed too much to retire a few jerseys. Because right now, in my opinion, I think for basketball, you for sure have to retire five for Marcus Pfizer. And you for sure have to retire 31 for George Niang. I don't think that's debatable. I don't think any Iowa State fan would would counter that. Melvin Edgem probably should have three retired also. And then here comes number 11, where Jamal Tinsley and Monte Morris both have an equally strong case to retire that number. What if... Instead of retiring number 11, it just becomes a number that goes to the point guard when you know that he is the guy. The guy, yeah. Kind of what the football team did with 28 for Troy Davis and Brees Hall. Like Abu Sama should play the first game of next year in number 28, I think. How would you feel about that if Taman Lipsy started out his junior year wearing number 11? I think that's a really, really cool idea. I'm curious how the players like a Taman would feel about it, but because he was an Iowa State fan, he grew up so close, I bet he would wear that as, you know, kind of that badge of honor to continue on that legacy. So, and then, and then another idea, you go back and you Photoshop every picture, you alter all of them of Tyrese Halliburton wearing 22 and just, Switch it to yeah. Actually, he wore eleven while he was two ones. While he was eleven, two twos. yeah. But and and wasn't I'm not you know putting him in this category, but wasn't Hunter eleven in his year there too? He was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. I don't think it's all just happenstance, but I'm totally with you, Jake. I, I think that would be a really cool thing. And then maybe I don't know in some other era you do finally kind of hang it up. But for these next. 25, 30, 40 years. I think that'd be a pretty cool idea. And I bet he would go for it. And then as far as retired numbers, nobody should ever wear number 15 on the football field ever again. I, that, that number's got to be up in the rafters next year, or I don't know what you call it in football. Cause there's no rafters, but ring of honor. Yeah. Yeah. Ring of honor. So what I guess I want to talk about maybe my last point about last night's game is leading into more of a general discussion as Iowa state preps for a potential run in March 
with a, I mean, as good as any other team in the country with a shot to go Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, what are the areas that they still need to clean up? Yeah, I think one, you know, spot, I'll go to. I don't, and again, you're asking the question. I don't think either of these is like a danger zone, right? But I do think that if you match up against basically an Iowa State similar team, so like an athletic, fundamentally sound defensive oriented team, I, I think they could potentially maybe see some issues in the half court offense. And then yeah. as much as I've said that I trust the team right now, and of course the guard play, Still, maybe I've maybe I mean, just for the sake of conversation, have some questions about when they do hold a 13, 10, 11 point lead, you know, that can often be lost in kind of some of those moments of of kind of stagnation uh, offensively, because I think the defense is always there. But otherwise, man, I mean, it's really tough to find potential, you know, concerns and other than teams like UConn and Purdue. I don't see many other teams that have so few weaknesses overall that Iowa State is showing right now. Yeah, that's that's where kind of as a as a lifelong Iowa State fan last night, I kind of started to get scared. Because you point out the, the free throws, of course. It's been back-to-back good games, actually, at the free throw line. Last night, they didn't miss the front end of a one-and-one down the stretch. I think they had three opportunities to miss one, made all of them seven of eight from the line. I still think any rational person still doesn't feel confident about Iowa state at the line until maybe they see it go for a couple more games. But outside of that and the, you know, the times where they can get stagnant in the half court, they're just, there's not a weakness where I think like, Oh yeah. Unless, of course, a team hits 15 threes, which can happen to anybody in March. There's not a weakness that I feel like if they match up with this team, they're going to lose. And that's where maybe a Baylor BYU type team doesn't turn the ball over a ton, hits a lot of threes. But even then, it's still March and the other team still has to hit those threes. And that's. That's why I think Iowa State's got as good a shot as they have in 25 years to make a run to the Elite Eight. Yeah, you know, you're usually kind of the the question poser with me here. But before we get into the Big 12, it's fun to look ahead, right? I mean, that's what true college basketball fans do. So I'm just going to ask you, let's say things do go perfectly perfectly for this next six weeks so that's perfectly that win every game you're favored in no so what it'll end at that i'm saying is iowa state is sitting in the elite eight with a chance as a two seed we'll say with a chance to get to the final four (sighs) who is the one number one seed you absolutely do not want to see michigan state and auburn hills no doubt not seeing those guys I've watched that replay on YouTube one too many times in my life. I wasn't even alive. And I watch that game and I get sick to my stomach. 
It's ridiculous. No, uh, I don't want to see UConn. Okay. That's what I figured. Because I I would put them in Houston on their own tier as what I think are the two best teams in the country. But Iowa State's got the they've got the the history with Houston already. They've played them twice. Kind of know how to beat them. And it's not that different of a team from Iowa State. Houston's just kind of Iowa State, but better in almost every aspect of the game. UConn, we saw what that UConn team, granted, way different teams on both sides, but we saw what they did to Iowa State last year in that uh, Portland tournament. I'd rather see Houston, but the committee also probably won't put a Big 12 1 and 2 seed in the same region. Yeah. But if I'm an Iowa State fan, give me Purdue as the one seed. Because one, I would like Iowa State in a matchup with Purdue. I know this is getting way, way, way ahead of anything. Trust me. I Hopefully Hampton's not the 15 seed. But even, even if Purdue's the one seed in your region, I'm taking my chances that I'm ended up playing an eight or a five seed in the elite gotcha. because I don't think I don't think Purdue's capable of winning three straight games in the NCAA tournament. I just don't. I've seen I've seen it too many times. That's not a team that's built to win in March. I know we were texting a little bit about that, and you know we'll have plenty of time, so I, I won't harp on it too much. But I will add this just. You know, I mean, hey, if if I'm wrong, old takes expose me, you know, bring bring it back. Seeing them firsthand, this Purdue team is a little bit different than the last few we've seen. I can say that comfortably, and it doesn't really have anything to do with Edie or Painter. Their guard plays pretty nice. That's yeah. that's all I will say now, but focusing on a little more Big 12, and we will get back to that probably in about three or four weeks. Yeah, it's getting close, man. I was on discussion though. So I was on a run yesterday. I got to, Oh, like probably I was on a two mile run. I got to like 1.7 miles. I was just gassed, still burnt off all the Super Bowl food and I needed a little extra push. So I turned on the March madness theme, man. I cruised to the end of that run. I, I could run through a brick wall. The fir- every time I hear the theme music, oh man, I know I'm so excited for March. And if you are also excited for March, go and show your team spirit at Heartland Flags Ooh, and nice. gifts. Doesn't matter if you're an Iowa State fan, a Purdue fan, an Iowa fan that's listening. If your team is going to be playing in March, go and get yourself a flag. In store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street or online at heartlandflags.com. It's anywhere in the country. So if you're a Fairleigh Dickinson fan out there in New Jersey, you can get free shipping to Jersey anywhere in the United States. New products constantly. Every team, every sport, and every flag with March Madness. Just a month away. I cannot wait. Big 12 basketball, man, it's it's getting kind of separated into tiers. Yep. It's it's Iowa State and 
in Houston right now in a two-man race. I want to talk about KU, though. What is wrong with the Jayhawks losing by 29 at Texas Tech? Bill Self, I don't think, could have gotten ejected any quicker. I think he wanted <laughs> to be gone 10 minutes before he did. Yeah. What What's going on? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people... Death? Is you that know, I, is that what it comes down to? I think it's the depth. I think, I mean, I've said it a couple times, not talking about the off-the-court stuff, of course. I think that Morris would have provided a skill set that they need badly. Yep. Just a guy that can score the ball and, and get hot when needed. So I think at this point, they don't have all of the pieces needed similar to depth but in addition i'm not sure how well those pieces fit together Mm-mm. i mean i remember odd. in the iowa state game you know the uh, three-pointer was drawn up for dickinson because mccullough's grown there but like you don't you're not afraid of him necessarily being this open shooter harris has never been known as a shooter i think furphy's probably the guy that's most consistent there and I mean, I remember following that recruitment a little bit. He wasn't even supposed to be in college hoops yet. Yeah. So I I just think, I mean, we talked about, yeah, I don't think they're going to win the conference, but they will make things a little bit better. I'm not sure they're even going to do that at this point. I mean, this could be a team, quite honestly, that may only, I'll probably pick them to win two, but may only win one game in March. Oh, I'm... I don't care who they're playing. I'm not picking them to win first round. The they're oh. a, they are a firm get beat first round team for me. Okay, wow. That's, and I've over the years I've become less of a matchups guy in the bracket and I just I've got my thoughts on a team and that's how I pick them. And okay. I'm usually a Kansas goes out in the round of 32 or goes to the final four guy, like that's usually how I pick it this mm-hmm. year. It's, it's an upset year. And I, you talk about Furphy. Where would this team be? If this kid from Australia that wasn't even supposed to be there didn't emerge as what he has. Like even exactly, with, even with this kid coming out of essentially nowhere and being a really good player they still are one and four on the road in Big 12 play with the only win coming in Stillwater. It's Oof. it's getting dicey there. And you get, I mean, they lost without their best player in Lubbock, but that game was over in an instant. Dickinson didn't have it. It, it was just it, it. I know that it's the cardinal rule to never count the Jayhawks and Bill Self out. Hmm. But I I would be shocked, completely shocked if they made a run for the Big 12 regular season title. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally with you. I think that's kind of one of the huge stories in the conference right now. You mentioned Houston ISU. And then I do feel like a team I was looking to be high on before we even started this show, man. I do think Baylor has figured a little bit of something out. They I don't think you last night. Yeah. Oh, I, gosh. I, I still have a question or two, but when they're on, you know, with the amount of offensive talent they do have, and obviously a championship level winning head coach when they're on, 
I would put them in the same category as Iowa State and Houston because the amount of just sheer scores they have scares me. They've got a bit of an unfair advantage. I feel like with that stupid camera angle they've got in their arena, it looks like every time they shoot a three, it's going in. <laughs> I noticed that last night watching on the broadcast. When you're from that high up, it seriously looks like every three goes in. And about every three last night went in. They just rolled OU. That game wasn't even close. They're figuring it out at the right time. They're a Elite Eight type team mm-hmm. that just gets stupid hot. Got a lot of young, irrational confidence type guys. That That's a team that is usually fun to pick in March if you if you like that style of basketball. Yeah. Cincinnati, I, I we spent most of the time talking about Iowa State. That's just a really tough break for Cincinnati. Having Houston and Iowa State back-to-back home games, honestly, a pretty similar spot to what the Iowa State women are in right now. You're bouncing around that last four in, last four out bubble and you get two ranked opportunities on your home floor to come away empty-handed, it's uh, it's not ideal for the Bearcats, but they've got a pretty easy stretch coming up. I personally was impressed with them. How that like They hit some really tough shots in the second half. That could have been a 20-point Iowa State win, and they were just... They're making contested threes. That Lukashis guy, definitely no Corey Lucius, but... He uh he hit a couple tough shots. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how they close the year because at this point they are going to be the line for the Big Twelve between getting nine and ten teams in. Yeah. Yep. I and would I obviously be a milestone. I wasn't super shocked. You know, just with kind of you you mentioned some tough shots, some of their toughness early on. I think they're really well coached. It's not generally always like a basketball powerhouse. So I think they're certainly trending up. I need to take a little bit of a deeper look at the rest of their schedule, but even even if it's just nine teams in, really, really impressive still. Okay, before we move on to the Super Bowl, we'll just talk a little bit of Houston against Iowa State, not the game itself. At this point... If you're an Iowa State fan, you've seen Houston play Iowa State. You've seen Houston play a number of games. We don't need to talk in depth about that game, but the Big 12 race. Both teams have, gosh, what is it? Seven? Yeah, seven games to go. I I just jotted down some notes. Houston's three toughest games are at Baylor. This is my opinion in order. At home against Iowa State, at home against KU, and at OU. I think those are... I would be shocked if the three other games on their schedule were losses. I'll just put Mm -hmm. it that way. For Iowa State, obviously at Houston, at home against BYU, and at K-State. Just that in itself, Iowa State's got the easier stretch. Yeah, they do. But... What do you foresee happening? They really do have the easiest stretch. I mean, I think we've shown, I'm sorry. I think we've seen K-State can at times get it together at home. You know, that environment is going to be insane after uh, the game at Hilton. 
So I, I, I think that it's going to come down to what happens Monday night. Houston will obviously be favored. And I think that if they win, they probably win this race by half a game, I think it would be, or maybe a, a game. Well, but it's got to end State, up. They'll win. The winner will win by a game okay. or it'll be a tie. If and I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like I know the tiebreaker because both teams, unless Iowa State obviously wins, they'd have the tiebreaker. But if they split, I don't know what the next tiebreaker is. Maybe that, that'll that be research for me for next week's show. Yeah, and that'll be obviously following that massive matchup. Yep. I, I think that if the Cyclones can get that done, it's pretty easy to see their path. So Iowa State will be favored in every game other than the Houston game the rest of the way. What would you say, like we're talking in three weeks, looking back, what game would you be least shocked that they lost? Out of the games, you know, other than Houston? Yep, other than Houston. Least shocked? I'd go with K-State. Yeah, I, I would go with the Kansas State game. I still like a couple of their pieces. It, it's the end of the season. You know, they'll obviously be trying to go out on a high note. It's a tough place to play. I mentioned what happened to Hilton. Otherwise, yeah, I don't see too many losses uh, for these Cyclones. I, I guess if we're including Saturday against Texas Tech, I wouldn't be shocked at all because I think those are two really, really good teams and well, uh, well-coached programs. But other than that, I'd go with the K-State game. Okay, fair. I'd go BYU, but... That's just because we've already seen what what the Coos could do to Iowa State. All right, we got about 15-ish, 20-ish minutes to go. Let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Oh, man, if you were a Niners fan, either like Matty Van Winks, who's been a Niners fan his whole life, or a Niners fan for the night, because of Brock Purdy or being anti-Chiefs. It was uh, a sad night to have a Steeple Ridge bourbon. It's there, in my opinion, it's there for the good nights. It's there to celebrate, like last night, or maybe a nice easy win over TCU on Saturday. But either way, go and get yourself a bottle of Steeple Ridge bourbon. I've got the Iowa Everywhere label. Nope, that's not that. It's in the room, but this is just a normal bottle of Steeple Ridge bourbon distilled, bottled, and aged in Erling, Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. Go and get it in your local grocery or liquor store. Man, what a horrible Super Bowl until the fourth quarter, and then it just became an instant classic. Purdy thought he played good, not great. But at the end of the day, I think he proved that he belonged. Yeah, I, I think for anybody that was still questioning that, I think that they saw he belonged. But I mean, people that actually watch the games, no football, they obviously know that he certainly has a spot there. And, and re really, as of right now, I think that's his team. I feel like. Steve Spagnuolo just took some risks as the D.C. and his players backed him up. I felt like the Chiefs defense 
was really an elite unit the same way that the 49ers defense was for much of the first three quarters, as you mentioned. And a friend texted me this, and this just seems to happen at times to the greats. You think of Tom Brady, obviously, before Mahomes. They're the best at what they do, but a break or two certainly comes their way. And that muffed punt, I mean, you see something exactly like that, like exactly a play like that, not a player fumbling it, but like bouncing off a foot and then the guy trying to help his teammate. Three, four times the regular season out of the 200-plus games. And, of course, it happens in that moment, like you mentioned. Changed everything. I had a Chiefs future, uh, you know, from over a year ago. So, obviously, that was helpful there. But for Purdy – the Niners, Niners fans, that was a really tough one to swallow. Yeah, it was – obviously, I was going for the 49ers. But when I go to the the DRF sports book, I bet with my, with my brain, not my heart. So I won a pretty good lump sum of money there betting on the Chiefs to come out on top. I left that game honestly impressed with Purdy. Because, I mean, I've watched him for six years in a row now. And I always knew that he had that in him. But there hadn't been too many times yet in his pro career where really everything else was going wrong. I mean, McCaffrey fumbles. Offensive line pretty much gives up four free shots at you. Debo, couple of drops left the game a couple times. Kittle left the game. There there wasn't much going Purdy's way and he he still kept them in the game and he he was mistake free. So that that's where I was at, but I also left being reminded, not that I thought this was wrong, the gap between Mahomes and Purdy is very, very wide. And the gap between Mahomes and I think anyone else is very, very wide. And we we saw this with Tom Brady. There were a lot of quarterbacks that didn't get their rings, that didn't get as many rings as they probably would have if Tom wasn't there. Michael Jordan, Clyde Drexler became a guy who retired with no rings, Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. Stockton Malone. Like the Jazz, yep. When there is a generational athlete Patrick like a Mahomes, yep. like a Tom Brady, like a Michael Jordan, like a Nikola Jokic, there's just going to be players from that generation that don't accomplish all that they could or should have. And the Niners are maybe becoming just this generation's Utah jazz and MJ and Mahomes are, are that. And that's a, that's a, that's a tough thing to, to swallow if you're a Niners fan, but my, my opinion on party didn't change. Yeah. I mean, Jake, you know me well enough, man. We both work in sports. So in fandom and kind of professional discussion like this, Um, if we'll call it that, you know, I I pride myself on not being kind of a prisoner of the moment. And I remember they, they lost this game, the game I'm about to say, but the chiefs game, AFC championship game against the Patriots. Yep. 
Patrick Mahomes first full yep, season. I was watching game. with a, a good friend of mine who listens to this show. And I told him, I swear to you, this is the best quarterback I've ever seen. I put him over Brady, even though they lost that game. And now, like we just mentioned some of the breaks and Andy Reid's Hall of Fame coach, and now they've got a defense. But I don't think I have felt like with any person in any sport, LeBron, MJ, I wasn't around for MJ's prime, but still, Niners get three points in overtime. Okay. Mahomes is getting the ball. This is this is about to end. And I was so, I mean, I mentioned the future. So I was so much questioning that fourth and one when they lined up in the shotgun. Like as much as I like Mahomes and I trust him, you're not just going to run it up the gut. But of course, Andy's like, I'm just going to put the ball in your hands. Just Play design was perfect. Quick read. He runs it for, I think, 18, 19. And just Purdy, we have spoken highly of all year. Mahomes, at this point, I don't think this is reactionary at all. I mean, the guy's like a year older than me with three Super Bowl MVPs. He is a walking, living legend already. So you realized it in that AFC championship game. Did you see what LeBron came out and said yesterday about Mahomes? No. Was this one of his funny things? It was a sit-down interview, and he's like, yeah, man. When I saw Mahomes go up to, I think it was Ames, Iowa, and lose sixty-six to ten, I just knew that day that's going to be the guy that succeeds Tom Brady. He's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Like personally, that day I didn't see it, but oh, I'm just glad. Gosh. I'm just glad LeBron knew that day how good Mahomes would be one day. Man, truly a legend. What was that score? I know it was bad. It was sixty-six to ten. Yeah, it was. I sat there that whole game. I was with my one of my best friends, Curran. Shout out, shout out to you, Mr. Wadley. (laughs) And there weren't a lot of people there that day. It was senior day. No, it wasn't senior day, actually. But it was a cold November day. Iowa State, two wins, first year under Matt Campbell. And they just destroyed tech. And there were a couple Texas Tech fans that were sitting two, three rows in front of us, just plastered. And they kept saying, we got to get this Joe Landing guy. We got to stop him. They called <laughs> Joe Landing Joe Landing for four quarters as he scored five touchdowns. That uh, that was the worst day of Patrick Mahomes' life. And now here he is. You can, you can, thank, say, you can thank Ames, Iowa for that one, Mr. Mahomes. Speaking of Mahomes, Texas Tech coming to Ames on Saturday. You think Mahomes is going to bring the Lombardi Trophy up to Hilton Coliseum on Saturday? Not this time. No, he... I don't think he wants any part of Ames for the rest of his life. I And I couldn't blame him. He came there and it was like 15 degrees. His team just got killed. He left the game with an injury. Not many good memories in Ames. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders basketball team, hasn't had great memories in Ames these last two years, but man, did they have some good nights in there during the Steve Prohm era. They come in hot, two wins in a row following three straight losses. I guess we picked Tech. I think I called Tech a fraud at one point. And then I took that back and said, no, I think they're legit. And then I called him a fraud again. 
And now they're kind of back at the, uh, they might be legit point, but they come in just a game back of Iowa State and Houston on Saturday. What do you think on paper? I think this is going to be, it has the potential to be a great game. I think it's only going to end up being a good game in favor of Iowa State just because that Hilton Coliseum crowd, energy, environment, it is truly unmatched. That's why I'm going to stick with Iowa State and staying hot. But just in terms of basketball, and and I'll let you delve even further, but I feel like you're going to see two teams, you know, kind of their greatest areas of success going against each other. Texas Tech has impressed me. I don't think I ever called them a fraud, but some of their pieces have really stood out to me. I, I forget about, you know, Tucson at times, obviously some of their scoring in the backcourt. And then this Darian Williams angle that, you know, I, I just – I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, he had one of the best games you're going to see from anybody all year just this past week. Obviously, you're not going to expect – I think it was like 12 for 12 for 30 point type game uh, Saturday, but he can be a matchup nightmare at times with kind of his talent, athleticism and versatility. I just feel like with Iowa state's depth that we can note and we have noted at this point, if they don't shoot less than 33, 34% from deep, as long as they're at least that for the cyclones they're getting to the line, I see probably a seven to eight point win here. Did you see, the announcement that Iowa State made for Saturday. So you know how they retired Higgins, John Higgins, the referee a couple weeks yep, ago. Yep. They announced that on Saturday they will retire Joe Toussaint's number in 12 different uniforms for the 12 teams that he's played against Jay's Iowa State fly today. in Hilton Coliseum. <laughs> Man, I keep forget Every time I turn on tech, I'm like, how is that guy still playing college basketball? And he torched Iowa State last year in Hilton. Yeah. He was like the reason West Virginia won that game. But yeah, you were saying it. It's strength on strength. Tech on Ken Palm, conference only offense, number one in offensive efficiency, number one in three point percentage, number one in field goal percentage, number two in turnover percentage. That plays not into Iowa State's strengths, but away from it. And that could be problematic for Iowa State. The good news they're only 10th in offensive rebounding percentage. So kind of where Cincinnati killed Iowa State last night, where a lot of teams have beaten Iowa State, that's where Iowa State won't have the disadvantage. But on the other side, only 12th in defensive efficiency, 13 in opponents' offensive rebound percentage, 12th in opponents' three-point percentage, and 9th in opponents' turnover percentage. Tech, they take threes. This was the, the stat I found on Ken Palm. They take threes on 40.8% of their possessions. And then they just don't turn the ball over. So if, if Iowa State wins on Saturday, I think they're going to have to do it in a bit of a different way mm-hmm. than they did it last night. They're probably going to have to put up 75-ish points, I would guess. 75, 77. That's where I'd put the sweet spot. And they're just going to have to hope that Tech makes eight threes and not 13. That's I know that's lazy analysis, but that's mm-hmm. kind of where I envision this game going. And you hope that you get two or three different 
Hilton Avalanche type runs like you got against Kansas. I mean, really like you've gotten in every home Big 12 game so far. You're going to need a couple of those strong runs to build an eight to 10 point cushion. Yeah, that just about every game that they've needed it, it's happened. I think they'll need at least two. Dude, I don't think that's, you know, lazy analysis at all. To me, that actually makes a ton of sense. And that's why I kind of noted you're you're going to need some of the depth. You're going to need the scoring. Obviously, a 75-plus percent free throw shooting type of day because Texas Tech, I think, is a really, really good team. And as comfortable as, you know, I, I likely am in picking Iowa State to win Saturday, that is one heck of a back-to-back with no off days between – then and Houston Monday yeah, already brutal, and we won't get to you know do a full preview for that. So Iowa State currently eight and three in conference. Next time we hop on this, Jake, what is the Big Twelve record going to be for the Cyclones? I think they'll be nine and four. I think they're catching Tech at a good spot. They're coming off of back-to-back home wins, following three straight losses, like I just mentioned. Coming off the high of beating Kansas by almost thirty. Early tip at Hilton, which can be a little bit odd sometimes for the atmosphere, but I still think Iowa State will win this game by, I'll go go 77 to 70. That'll be my score prediction. And then, like you said, it's one day off. Granted, they do play early that morning, so if I had to guess, they'll probably fly to Houston late afternoon on Saturday, have a full day down there before playing them on, on Monday night. I just think it's too small of a turnaround. You're playing at what I think is the best team in the country. You're playing them on their home floor. I think Iowa State will lose that game and split the week one and one. Yeah, I think that's super fair. I could definitely see like a Saturday night flight down there. I believe Houston also has a short, uh, you know, kind of time in between. I think they're playing Texas Saturday, but at home. That game's at home, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think I agree. You know, you can't get caught looking ahead to Houston, and and this staff never really allows that, neither do these players. But 9-4, and four, still super incredible. I think that's where we will be at when we're discussing next week. Loaded show today, my friend. Yeah, that was a good show. We spent a lot of time on basketball at the start. I'm glad we did, though. It's, I mean, there is nothing like talking about college basketball when the team you cover, the team you follow, the team you're a fan of is winning. (laughs) Because, I mean, obviously, when you're a fan, you want all of your teams to win. But in college football, if your team's winning, you've got six days off in between games. There's a set cycle pretty much every week. Basketball, two games a week. Oh, you want a Saturday, Monday turnaround? You got it. It's just... It's constant. There's always something to break down a preview. It's the best time of year. I mean, second best time of year because the best time of year is coming up. It's March, baby. We're so close. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh, Aiden. It's up there for me. Aiden, predictions? Let's go tonight for the women and then Saturday, Monday. Tonight? I think the Iowa State women win tonight for the record. I think, I think they end the the skid. Fortunately, I don't think they win tonight. I got a K State 64-52. Okay. Low scoring game. Yeah, they are good on defense. Yeah. It'll be 
they're gonna have to hit some shots. Then the men. Yeah, I think Iowa State wins by eight plus. Okay. I don't know what at Houston. Bold prediction. You heard it here first. Aiden Saturday? White. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday, Saturday, I, Monday. I have no idea what the spread will be for Saturday. I think it'll be probably five or six. I was going to say four and a half, five. So yeah. I'll say minus five. Probably, yeah. DRF will have it on Friday. That's, that's your spot to find it. Absolutely. What about Monday? What do you think? Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. <laughs> I got Iowa State losing again. Yeah. We're all in the same boat there. Well, uh, bet the game. On DRF, as always, watch the game with your Heartland flag in the background. Watch the game with a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon on a huge ice cube and continue to listen and support all of the Iowa Everywhere shows in the Channel Seed Studios. Thanks for joining us. If you're going to the Cyclone Women game tonight, be safe. If you're going Saturday, of course, be safe. And we'll be here same time next week. Maybe not same time. We'll be here next Wednesday on Firmly Entrenched. Thanks, guys. Iowa everywhere.